Well, good morning, everyone. 2019, here we are. Um, I don't know if you are uh, have, you know, New Year's resolution things and stuff like that. I don't do that anymore because I don't want to set myself up for failure, right? I'm all about setting myself up for success, so I just don't do that. But uh, for some of you may know, our church has kind of come together, and we've started off the new year, and we've, uh, we're... I really felt impressed by the Lord uh, that we were to just fast and pray together. It is also uh, something that the Bible urges us and, uh, and encourages us to do. There's something, there's that spiritual muscle, as I was talking about uh, before, that it strengthens. And, and I've already been hearing great, great stories and people telling me how their fasting day is going. And, and it's tough. It's not easy. If you've never uh, not, if you've never gone a day without food uh, intentionally, uh, it's not a fun thing, you know, if you've done it unintentionally, obviously there was nothing you could do about it, but when you do it intentionally and there's food all over, uh, it's awful, uh, and so I'm very, very proud of those who have been fasting and going before the Lord, and every single one of them has said they have heard things and that God has been speaking to them and God is doing great things. So I encourage you, I just uh, want to let you know, we do still have a couple days out of the 21 days uh, that are uh, not being covered right now by anyone. Uh, if you would like to, just go ahead and write it down on the connection card on your table or on a note or something like that and leave it in the back table. Uh, I will reach out to you uh, and I'll let you know, hey, yeah, uh, here's, the, here's the day. Uh, and it's only a couple so out of the 21 days. Right now, over, three, uh, over uh, two-thirds, three-quarters, whatever, <laughs> of the days. I'm sorry, Tracy. I'm just, <laughs> just trying to pick a nice pie thing, and it just wasn't working. Yeah. Anyways, most of the days are covered, uh, and, um, and uh, so, but there are a couple days that are still open. Uh, we've also had people who are fasting all 21 days, and what they're doing is they're kind of picking something. Uh, some people are fasting junk food. Some people are fasting red meat. Some people are fasting uh, soda or sugary things or, you know, uh, social media. Uh, I'm uh, fasting uh, caffeine, and uh, Gary said he's fasting caffeine, uh, and because I'm a huge coffee drinker, and then I usually go to soda after that. Um, so just staying away kind of from anything that has caffeine, and it's tough, uh, but it's, it's a great reminder. It's a great uh, reminder for me to go before the Lord uh, and just to acknowledge him and to turn my focus to him. And, you know, when I kind of get that little, you know, uh, reminder pinch in my gut that says, oh, I could really use a cup of coffee like I could have used this morning. It was, oh, I could smell it in the air. And, and you know, it's funny, your senses are a little heightened when you're fasting. And all of a sudden, everybody seemed like every single one of you were walking in with a Starbucks coffee in your hand. And I was like, oh, man, I could, I could probably even pick out what you ordered uh, just by the, mmm, yeah. Anyways, we are talking about the heart of worship. Bless you. Bless you. We, that's okay. <laughs> Crystal, you are allowed to sneeze. <laughs> that was Crystal, everybody, in case you were wondering. <laughs> Bless you, Crystal. Bless you. Uh, our series uh, for this month is uh, The Heart of Worship. And, you know, the one thing that I've learned in my walk, in uh, my being a Christian, is, you know, I kind of had these preconceptions of what worship was. And I shared uh, a little last, I shared a lot last week, but I'll share very little this morning about kind of my journey 
as a Christian, I had gotten saved when I was five years old, but it definitely wasn't like, you know, all roses from there. I didn't become this holier than thou person my whole life. In fact, in my teenage years, I actually kind of would probably say I walked away from the Lord. I still called myself a Christian, but I definitely wasn't practicing or I wasn't even going to church regularly or anything like that. I, I was pretty much living how I wanted to live. I would say in my teenage years, I was probably the most distant from the, from the Lord. But there were some things that I learned uh, through my walk and through understanding God. And, and the thing that I shared with last week was that uh, I threw myself, at the age of 18, I, I got back involved in church and I felt like the Lord had called me and I felt like he even called me into the ministry and things like that. And I just threw myself back into the church and really what I did was I, it, I, just, I was working so much, I was serving so much that I actually, after a few years of doing that, I, I kind of experienced burnout and even experienced kind of like, uh, frustration and, and anger and all these emotions started to come out where I started to not like church, you know, started to not like, you know, being around the, uh, the you know, the place and all that stuff. And, and it was because I was doing it for all the wrong reasons. I was doing it because I thought God would love me more if I worked really, really hard for him. You know, God, why are you not seeing? I thought God would somehow give me like free passes on things or make my life a lot easier in certain areas if, if I was just working, you know, so hard. And the thing that I learned is that God never asked me to do that. I did that. I was the one who threw myself in and started serving everywhere and being involved in every ministry. And I was at church all the time. And I thought that worshiping God was like, I'm just going to give you, you know, my life in this form of, of kind of service to the church. And not that that's wrong, but my heart was in the wrong place because what happened was as I started to, to grow empty. The, the, my spiritual gas tank was always running on fumes, and I didn't understand why. Why is someone who's so devoted to the church, how can I feel so angry? How can I feel so empty? How can I feel so, you know, just frustrated? And I realized it was because God never asked me to run around like a chicken with my head cut off at church. What he wanted was relationship with me. And the minute I figured that out, and the minute I kind of entered back into uh, you know, the ministry and entered back in and I thought, you know what, God, I'm going to do it right this time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you my heart first before I go run around and try to fix everything or do things. Or, or, and, and it's not about, you know, if I work hard, then God is going to, to love me anymore. The great thing about God is he already loves you. You don't have to do anything to earn it. All he wants is relationship with you. The, the, the second thing uh, that I've learned and, and kind of going into, into today's sermon is, you know, I, I used to think, and this is now going back to when I was, you know, distant from God in my teenage years, I used to say this to myself, when I get myself all cleaned up or when I figure myself out or when I get everything straightened up in my life, then I'll go back to church. I used to say that to myself all the time and again. A lie. Again, a, a, a misconception. Again, something that is not true. God never says, get your life cleaned up and then come to me. In fact, God says the exact opposite. He says, come to me and I will help you clean up your life. 
And that's what's so amazing about our God, that it's not about works, that it's not about being perfect, that it's not about, you know, somehow if I get my life together and I straighten up and I fly right, you know what I mean, then God is going to embrace me. The truth about God, and this is why you have to understand these truths about him to be able to worship him, is that he already loves you, he's already accepted you, and he's saying, I want you, so just come as you are, baggage and all, because what, what he will do then is that he will help you heal. He will help you take care of those things that you can't, you know, can't seem to, to get through or, or, or you know, those walls that you always kind of keep hitting you know, in your life. That is the, the beginning of understanding our God and that is the beginning of being able to worship him. Because if you don't understand him, and this goes back to what I talked about last week when, when, we, when Jesus said that there will come a time uh, and our, the time is now that we would worship God in spirit and in truth. See, you have to understand who God is to be able to worship him. If you don't understand who he is or if you have misconceptions about him, then you won't worship him. You'll, you'll think, if, if you think he's the type of God that only wants, right, only takes, you know, that he's only going to make me do things that I don't want to do, if that's what you, who you think God is, then obviously you're not going to give him your whole life. You're not going to worship him. You're not going to make your life a living sacrifice if you believe that God is some guy up there who's just going to, you know, make you live by a bunch of rules and, and he's going to make your life miserable and you're going to have to be nice to people all the time. You know what I mean? That's not who God is. God wants a relationship with you. And through that relationship, then our lives, because of our trust in him, because worshiping him in spirit and in truth, understanding who he is, now we can offer our lives a living sacrifice, which we'll talk more about today. Do you ever feel like, though, that you're fighting a losing battle? Anybody ever feel like that? You ever feel like you're just banging your head up against the same wall over and over and over again. You know, I, I love movies like Braveheart or uh, The Patriot or uh, We Were Soldiers. I, I don't know why. And by the way, I am not a, a into war. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not some guy who likes to run around with guns or anything. If anything, I'm pretty much a pacifist. I, I'm all, you know, um, let's, you know, try to get along type of thing. But for some reason, I love movies about these underdogs fighting for what they believe is true. I love those movies. I love when, you know, like in Braveheart, there's just these bunch of Scottish people who obviously don't want the English taking over their lives and dictating to them how they're going to live. And they're going to stand up for that. You know, and even the famous William Wallace uh, uh, speech as he's, you know, riding up and down, you know, that they would rather lay down their lives, that they would rather die than become slaves. Do you ever feel like you're in a, a fight, but you're just not winning? Well, we're going to talk about having victory through worship. What if I told you that the answer to your problem isn't fighting back? What if I told you the answer to your problem is to worship God? Let, let's look at this story, and if you have your Bibles with you, uh, 2 Chronicles, so we're going to go in the Old Testament. 2 Chronicles, talk about, man, they can make some good movies out of the stories 
in uh, the Kings and the Chronicles and things like that. But open your Bibles to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. We're not going to read the entire uh, passage. It's a very long passage, and I'm just going to kind of pick pieces out. But let me give you uh, what's going on, all right? So in this time... Um, basically, the, God's people are, are now separated. They've kind of split into two kingdoms. There's, uh, uh, the, there's Judah, right? And then there's Israel. And, and they're, they're now, you know, separated. And so when, sometimes when we're talking about some of these kings, uh, they were, you know, they were the king over a particular area. Uh, Jehoshaphat was the king over Judah, Okay, so this is Judah, and this is where, uh, obviously, Jerusalem, this is the city of David, uh, and this is the line of David. Jehoshaphat would have been in the line uh, of King David, and this is where this is coming from. But at this point, though, uh, the, the Hebrew people, the Jewish people, they're kind of divided, uh, and there's, you know, what they believed in this kind of northern area of Samaria. Uh, they had set up, uh, basically, their own, you know kind of center, uh, and, and they believe that that's where they were to worship God. So we're kind of, uh, this is where we're at in the timeline of history uh, of the Jewish people. And we're going to look at the story of, of when King Jehoshaphat is king, basically, you know, poor, and I just feel, if you really look at the, the story of, of the Jewish people, they're constantly being threatened by all the sur- surrounding nations. Does that sound familiar, Right? That they're constant. There's something about God's people. There's something about the Jewish people that just rubs everybody else the wrong way. And so there's these other groups, and specifically the Moabites, the Ammonites, and some of the uh, Meunites. Uh, they declare war on King Jehoshaphat and his people. But I love King Jehoshaphat's response because it's what I hope would be my response if I felt like we were going to be under attack. And let's look at it, starting in verse 3. Jehoshaphat was terrified, right? That's a a natural response. Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news and begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. What I love about this Part of the story already is they have begun doing it right from the beginning, right? They, they've instantly gone to the Lord. They are being threatened. There's these uh, armies that are going to come against them. They're going to try to besiege them. And the king is a great king, and he goes to God first. Let's, let's look at this first. Uh, we're going to be talking about victory through worship, but let's look at King Jehoshaphat's leadership. Why this is so important, why his leadership is so important in this idea. See, King Jehoshaphat's leadership, first he begged the Lord for guidance. He went straight to God. You can go to all kinds of things to get your, you know, uh, knowledge, to to find direction. And people do it all the time. People go to the the news. They look for the news. What's in the news today? You know, what does the news say? They go to their friends you know, they, I'm going to seek out my friends and find out what my friends think I should do in this situation. You know, and, and all of that, I'm not saying any of that is evil by any means, but going to God first is the answer. 
going to God first with all of your problems. And what's great about God is that it doesn't have to be this big giant thing like that's going on, you know, in this story. You can go to God with even the smallest of things. He cares about everything that is going on in your life, even the little things. Even the little things. I, I love Dean, if you don't mind me sharing uh, a little bit about your story, Dean uh, fasted and, on, and, and he just said, oh, I just knew I should be praying about things. So he asked a very simple prayer of God. He said, Dean said, as he was going to drop his granddaughters off at school, God, would you just make it clear because it's very frustrating and stressful when I have to get in the long lines and fight to try to get into the school. Well, Dean prayed that prayer, and he said by the time he got to the school, it was absolutely clear. He said it is never clear. It is never like that. God cares about every little thing that is going on in your life. He loves you that much. It's not about just the big things. That was another thing I used to misunderstand about God. I used to only go to God about the really, really big stuff in my life. And God said, no, I want to talk to you about everything. I want to help you with everything that's going on in your life. The second thing, he ordered everyone to fast. The reason, again, for fasting, if you're unfamiliar with fasting, the reason for fasting is saying, you know what we're going to do? We are going to get rid of all distractions, and we are going to seek the Lord. That is what really at the heart of what fasting is. We're going to remove distractions in our life. We're going to remove the other things that we depend on daily, and we are going to just say, God, we are putting our dependence upon you. So he directs his people, he orders them to fast, and then through this, they all came, they came from kind of the the outlining, you know, villages and, and, and towns and things like that, and they came to seek the Lord. I love that. They came together and said, we, not, not just Jehoshaphat, and not just, you know, the, uh, the people in that city, they got everybody together and they said, we as a, as a people, we're going to seek the Lord together. They got it right. Next, I want to look at Jehoshaphat's prayer in verse 6. 2 Chronicles 20, starting in verse 6 through 9, Jehoshaphat prays a prayer. And this prayer is important. And let's look at his prayer because it'll even teach us that when we're in these times, and we're especially when we're in these times of worship, uh, how to pray. And so he says, he prayed, O Lord. That's a good start, right? O Lord. God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. What does he do? He starts off by acknowledging who God is. You are God and I am not, right? You are the king of kings. You are the Lord. You know what I mean? He acknowledges who he is. Verse 7, O our God, did you not drive out those who lived in the land when your people Israel arrived? And did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Your people settled here and built this temple to honor your name. They said, whenever we are faced with any calamity, such as war, plague, or famine, we can come to stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. We can, try out, we can cry out to you to save us and you will hear us and rescue us. And now we see what the uh, armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir are doing. 
You would not let our ancestors invade those nations when Israel left Egypt. So they went around them and did not destroy them. Now see, they, uh, now see how they've rewarded us? For they have come to throw us out of our land, which you gave us as an inheritance. Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. Let's look at King Jehoshaphat's prayer because it's important. First, what he did was he committed the situation to God. When you are faced with that fight, when you are faced with whatever it is that seems to always press up against you, always seems to rattle your cage, you know, when, when, when you're at that crossroads in your life to make a major decision, you know, committing the situation to God. God, this is all about you. Even though I feel like it's all about me right now, it's really not. It's really all about who you are. The other thing he did was he sought God's favor. He, he reminded, he, by the way, it's interesting because it sounds like he's reminding God about, hey, remember all your promises and things like that, when really what he's doing is he's reminding himself. When, when we pray to God and we remind God of all the great things that he's done, and, and you know, either with us or that we've seen in the Bible, it's not for his sake, because he knows it's for our sake. It's to remember, if God has defeated your enemy before, he will do it again. If God has performed miracles in your life before, he will do it again. Because that's who he is. He sought God's favor. He also acknowledged God's sovereignty over the situation. See, this is where I even sometimes I struggle, especially when I look at our, you know, personal bank account. And I start to get nervous. And I start to wonder, are we going to be able to pay all the bills this month? And I start to panic. And I start to think, what more do I need to do? And I start to think, well, if I, maybe I need to go get a second job, or maybe I need to do this, or maybe I need to sell, you know, some thing. You know, all of a sudden my mind starts going, but I forget that God is in control. And why do I not go to him? And why do I not seek him? And why do I not just lay it all down? God is sovereign. That means he, ha he holds your entire life in the palm of his hand. So if you're, you're, you're at that point, like you're starting to freak out, you're starting to panic, you're starting to look at your surroundings, you're starting to see, oh my gosh, the armies are coming up against me, or whatever it is that is going on in your life, know that God is sovereign. Know that he not only has been with you in the past, he is already in your future. And if you keep your eyes focused on him, and if you put your trust in him, he will get you through. And they praised God's glory and took comfort in his promises. He also professed complete dependence on God. That is definitely a part of worship. God, I am nothing without you. You are the very air that I breathe. That is how dependent upon you that I am. And Jehoshaphat, the king himself, acknowledged that. Let's go to a, the next part of the, of the story. Verse 17, it says, but 
Uh, uh, so let me explain what's happened. Uh, they, they've gathered together, right? They're seeking the Lord. They're praying and they're fasting. And one of the men, it, it says, is filled with the Spirit. And it says, and I'm actually going to uh, keep it right there, though, but I, I'm going to start a little bit earlier. It says, then he said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. So he's now speaking on behalf of the Lord. He's, he, he, he's a prophet, and he's prophesying over the situation. Listen, King Jehoshaphat, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jerusalem. Then verse 17. But you will not even need to fight, it says. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. How many of you want to hear that every time you wake up in the morning? Amen? How many of you want to be encouraged that God is with you? Do not fear. Do not be discouraged. Go out. You know, take on the day. I love what the word God has for them. First, he says, stand and watch the Lord's victory. Stand and watch the Lord's victory. You know what happens when we start to get into a place where, where we, we panic, right? Where we're afraid, where we see all this happening. What is our first knee-jerk reaction to do? Run, right? Find a safer place, right? Find somewhere that's more comfortable because this is uncomfortable. I, I'm uncomfortable right now, so I, I need to get into a, a more comfortable place. Uh, one of my favorite phrases, and it's, it's by my good friend Chuck Ruth, and he always talks about this one quarterback, and he always talks about this quarterback had happy feet. He had happy feet. And what he meant was is this quarterback, you know, when the ball was snapped and the ball was given to the quarterback, he would drop back, and he had happy feet. And what would happen is he'd see the, the defense rushing at him, and so he would move. He'd move around, and really what happened was he took his focus off throwing the ball, and now he was more concerned about getting away from the defense. Really what you need to do, a good quarterback, he steps up into the pocket, and he stands there, and literally until the very last moment, until he releases that football. I have a word for you. Some of you, things are happening in your life. There's a little bit of discouragement starting to see the armies kind of surrounding you. You're starting to see the, the kind of the weight of the world set upon your shoulders, and you're starting to get happy feet. You're starting to panic. You're starting to think, I need to get out of this situation. I have a word for someone in this room. God says, stand your ground. Stand your ground and watch my victory. See, we need to put our trust in God. Not put our trust in ourselves. You need to stand your ground. You need to believe that God is for you, not against you. You need to believe that God is going to show you the victory. And then God says, I am with you. That has got to be one of the most comforting words. The God of the universe, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one who, who breathed you know, his very breath into you and gave you life says, I am with you. I am with you. And the Bible says, if, is he, if he is for me, 
who could come against me, right? And then he says, do not be afraid. If God is telling you, do not be afraid or discouraged, then you do not have to be afraid or discouraged. I want to encourage you again. I don't know what is going on in your life. I don't know what brings panic. I don't know what things start to surround you and, and, and make you feel like, you know, maybe I, I should be doing something else or, you know what? God is saying, if you put your trust in me, if you don't panic and, and run and, and try to do it in your own and, and, you, and you put your trust in me, then you will not have to fear. Then you will not have to be discouraged. Let's go back to the scripture and we'll find out what happened here. It says in verse 21, after consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord. The, the battle hadn't happened yet. They were, in fact, if anything, they were just heading out to it. Things were just getting started, and they were already giving thanks to the Lord. I want to encourage you. Start thanking God before he does things in your life. Start giving him praise and start worshiping him before you see him perform the miracle. Because it does something inside of us. It does something to our faith. Faith rises up in us when we say we know what God is going to do and we are going to praise and worship him even now, even before it's happened. Let's go to the next Verse 29, when all the surrounding kingdoms heard that the Lord himself had fought against the enemies of Israel, the fear of God came over them. So Jehoshaphat's kingdom was at peace for his God had given him rest on every side. See, what had happened was God's people had gone out there and they started worshiping and praising God. And just as God promised, they, they, they panicked they turned on themselves. In fact, it says they, they thought they even heard another army coming. They thought they heard the sound of a mighty army coming from uh, somewhere else, and they thought that, the, that, the, uh, you know, that King Jehoshaphat had called on another kingdom to come help fight for them. Well, he did call on another kingdom. It was the kingdom of God. And so they panicked, and they, they, some of them turned on themselves, and they ran, and they fled. God had won. God had had the victory that day. Uh, next verse. Oh. Here is the people's response, and this needs to be our response in hard times. First, the people sang praises to God. They sang praises to God. You, you guys, this is why we gather together on a Sunday morning. It's not to check a box and say, I did a, a, a spiritual thing this week. It's not what church is about. Church isn't about, you know, if you go to church, then he somehow makes you a holier person. That's not what church is about. Church is about coming together. It is about us encouraging each other. It is about seeking God together. But then it is about singing our praises to God for maybe the things that he's done for us, but specifically it's praising him for the things that he's going to do for us. Amen? Amen? They gave thanks to God. They gave thanks to God. I want to encourage you to do something in your prayer time. I, 
this is something that I've involved in my prayer time. Thank God for the things that he's done for you. Thank God for the things that you have because this does something, you know, in your spirit. It kind of does something in your soul. It, it uplifts it. It reminds you, oh, yeah, things may be a little dark right now, but I, I, that's right. God's done so many great things for me. He's not going to abandon me now. He's not going to discard me now. He's not gonna, he wouldn't have brought me all this way to say that he's done with me now. He gave thanks to God. They obeyed and watched. They obeyed and watched. And I want to encourage you, those who you're starting to panic, do not panic. Stand your ground. Stand firm and watch. And watch the Lord have victory in your life. And then they worship the Lord at the temple. They came back after this. After this, they came back together and they worshiped the Lord in the temple. Go ahead and go to the So the ultimate victory, you guys, the ultimate victory happened 2,000 years ago when Jesus went to the cross for us. You see, we've been in a constant battle. That battle is between, you know, good and evil. That battle is between uh, our sinful nature and, our, and the spirit of God. And th- there's been this constant war going on, as, as Gary even talked about when uh, uh, when Daniel prayed that, that, that God immediately dispatched an angel, but there was a spiritual war that was happening that was being waged in the heavenlies. You see, there is a spiritual battle, and that spiritual battle has been for your life, but Jesus had the ultimate victory. You see, he went to the cross. You see, he died for your sin. You see, he took your place. That is why you don't have to get your stuff together to be a Christian. That is why you don't have to somehow be and look a certain way to be a part of this thing we call the family of God. Because Jesus already paid the price for you. He already died for your sins. That the minute you come and the minute you you give your life to God, you immediately become clean. You immediately become holy. John 16, says this. I have told you all this so that you, will, that you may have peace in me. You see, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. You need to remember that Jesus has already overcome every single situation in your life. There is already victory. That is what's amazing about this story, is there has already been victory. All you need to do is believe it. All you need to do is rest in it. And all you need to do is come and sit at the presence of your God. The ultimate victory already happened. It was through Jesus Christ. It is through his blood. It is through his resurrection that we can now stand and gather together and celebrate. That is why we can sing like we do on a Sunday morning. The next and my last point, the ultimate worship. Our lives is worship. You see, in the Old Testament, worship was about sacrificing animals and you know, it was about sacrificing things, and they did a lot of fasting in the Old Testament. You know, there was a lot of sacrificing, but it was, it was all kind of about sacrificing, you know, in the physical. 
But see, when Jesus came, he says, they will now worship me in spirit and in truth. We can now worship God in the spirit. We don't have to go into the temple anymore. We don't have to offer a a living sacrifice anymore. We don't have to do those things because Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. Now, because of that, our lives become a living sacrifice. It says in Romans 12, 1, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. We now worship God in spirit and in truth. We now worship God with our lives. Our lives now become worship. How we love people, how we minister to people, how we react to situations, the things that we decide to, to stay away from that may be harmful you know, to us, that, you know, that our lives now become a living sacrifice. It is no longer about a location. It is no longer about a place. It is about us. You now are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God now dwells in you, for you are now living sacrifices, and this is how we will worship this by, by your everyday actions. When you, when you rise up, do you acknowledge God? God, thank you for this day. I don't feel great, but thank you for it. When you, when you get into the car and you begin to head to work, instead of already you know, going in your mind how awful your day is going to be because you know how bad it's going to be, just saying, you know what, God, I, this is my time with you alone in the car. I'm just going to spend out my, my, li- my life is going to be worshiped to you. And then when you get at work, how you interact with your boss, how you interact with your you know, uh, fellow employees, how you interact maybe even with the people uh, that work for you. you know, our life is a living sacrifice. How we live together, how we fellowship, how we, how we treat our community, how we help the homeless, how we help the widow, how we, how we love on our youth. Our life is a living sacrifice. Our life is worship. That is how we will find victory through worship. Can I pray for you? Father God, I just thank you, Lord. I praise your holy name. Lord, may we understand that there is nothing that we need to do to make you love us. You already do. In fact, you showed your love by sending your one and only son to die on a cross. Lord, that even us as Christians, you don't love us anymore because we do more for you. You only want relationship with us. You already love us. You already accept us. Lord, may we understand in this, in this month, in this season, and even in this new year, may we come to understand what true worship is, that we will now worship God in spirit and in truth, and that we will worship God, you know, as our lives, Lord God, by worshiping that we will know that we already have the victory, that, God, you have already won, that there is nothing that will separate us from the love of God.
I just want to pray for those who you've kind of had that misconception of God. That you would admit, yeah, I, I thought maybe if I got my life better together that he would somehow love me more. Maybe if I attended church more, he would love me more. Or somehow he'd put my life back together for me or something. Know that God only wants a relationship with you. Know that he already loves you. Know that he's already been working in your life even when you weren't paying attention. That's our God. That is your loving Heavenly Father. My prayer for you is that this year there would be a revival in your life. That this year there would be a revival in your heart. My prayer for you is that this year you would experience God like you've never experienced Him before. My prayer is that you would understand what true worship to God is. It's understanding who he is. It's understanding that I can acknowledge him at any place and at any point in my day. It's coming and it's offering all of us to him and trusting him that he will and already has defeated your enemies. I just want to go back into that song that you guys are playing. And can we just take this moment just to worship God? I want you to pretend like nobody else is in the room. I want you to give him your all this morning. I want it just to be you and him. Let him speak to you. Let him minister to you. And by the way, if, if you need to sit, then sit. If you want to kneel, then kneel. If you want to stand and stretch out your arms and stand and stretch out your arms, that there's no perfect posture. But I do want you to worship your God this morning. Because it's what, it's what we're created to do. So let's do that now. Chris, 